welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary on this Thursday. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. It is going to be Power Rankings Day here for the National Football League. And we're going to continue our coverage of UFC 296, looking at some of the other storylines from around the MMA world. And we're also going to look at Ruthless Robbie Lawler in our legacy look as the Walter White title's on the line, and he is one of the more violent fellows to have ever held it. So um, we will take a look at someone who had a big part in building up the legacy of the title that is going to be defended uh, later on this week. As always, um, thank you so much for tuning in. Subscribe on YouTube, like the video, leave a comment, um, and if you're listening in podcast form, subscribe and uh, leave a review. That stuff really helps me out. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email this show, Couch Potato Diary at Yahoo.com. All right, let's get right into it, looking at today's NFL Power Rankings. All right, we begin at the bottom, uh, number 32, the Carolina Panthers. Pretty well clinched that spot. Sorry, need some water. Uh, they pretty well clinched that spot. The number 32 team in uh, in the land. It's just, it's so bad there right now. The defense can't stop anything. Uh, the offense can't move the ball at all. They need wholesale changes out there in Carolina, and they don't have their first round pick to do it. So it's, it's tricky right now out in Carolina. At 31, it is the Arizona Cardinals. They didn't play last week, um, and a bunch of bad teams won. So they kind of slide down to the back of the line, but it is kind of getting a little bit rough out there. Even with Kyler Murray, uh, they're coming off of a win over Pittsburgh, but um, I just, like, they, they definitely have some upward mobility, but it, it's not great. Um, at 30, it's New England. Apparently, Bill Belichick is going to be gone at the end of the season, which would be quite the development, I would say, in, in out in New England. Um, but, I mean, you look at right now, the coaching job has been bad. The, the roster construction is atrocious, and he's in charge of all of it, so... Makes sense to me. Uh, at 29, it's Vegas. You lose 3-0. You deserve to be at the bottom of the rankings. Um, at 28, it is Minnesota. You win 3 to nothing. You deserve to be at the bottom of the rankings. And then at 27, it is uh, Washington. But our bottom five, Minnesota, the Raiders, New England, Arizona, and Carolina. Like I said, 27 is Washington. They didn't play last week, but again, a few teams won. Um, at 26, it's the Jets. That, that was... A fine win they had over a pretty good Houston Texans team. And this defense, again, showed that they are legitimate. Um, and it's going to be an interesting offseason out there in New York, that's for sure. At 25, it is uh, the New York Giants. I'm not buying the Tommy DeVito hype at all, but a win is a win, I suppose. So they move up a bit. At 24, it's the Bears. I am buying into what's going on out in Chicago a little bit. I don't think Fields is doing enough to save his job. Um, and I don't think he is this elite quarterback that I think people were excited about at the beginning of the season. But I do think that he is someone who in the right situation could do well. Like I think I said it before, you send him to Atlanta this off season and they're going to have a pretty dangerous thing going. So I, I think he's an interesting player. I, even like as a Raider fan, I would be interested in seeing what he could potentially bring forth. Um, at 23, it is the LA Chargers. Again, they're playing tonight. Um, it, it's just, it's a bad football team. Justin Herbert is out now as well. Um, so we'll, we'll see what goes on there, but um, massive changes are needed out in LA 
this season. At 22, it is Atlanta. That was a tough loss against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And again, the, the offensive stats are horrendous, um, even with all of the offensive talent they have. At 21, the Indianapolis Colts uh, kind of got shit-kicked this week, and I wonder if maybe they're turning into a bit of a pumpkin here as the season starts to, to wind down a little bit. At 20, it is the Tennessee Titans. That was quite the win on Monday Night Football. I don't know if all of a sudden now Will Levis is this juggernaut, but this is now a couple of times where he's shown what he has, and it, it's at least... Something to be excited about for Tennessee going into next year. The offensive line still needs to be changed entirely, and I would say the defense probably needs a bit of help as well. Um, at 19, it is the Denver Broncos. They're now just one game back of Kansas City for top spot in the AFC West. That is absolutely insane to me, and honestly, I think I am a little bit slow on the uptick here. On, on Denver for sure. Um, at 18, it is New Orleans. They, they win, but it's not impressive. And um, it feels like Derek Carr is cooked, is kind of my analysis of what's going on out in New Orleans. At 17, it is Seattle. Uh, a wild loss on Thursday night um, uh, against, the, uh, against the Cowboys. You don't have... Uh, that was a couple weeks ago. I might be getting my games mixed up. Either way, Drew Locke comes in and plays quarterback and does it kind of okay. Oh, they lost to San Francisco this week. That's what it was. Sorry. Um, Drew Locke comes in and plays okay, but this team is not at that high level that maybe some people thought they would be. At uh, 16, it is Pittsburgh. They continue to be very disappointing and just an ugly football team to watch. At 15, Green Bay, um, that was a really difficult loss. Like a win there, and they're probably in my top 10, given how some things have gone this season and how, quite frankly, ready I am to buy in hype on this team after being excited about it at the start of the year. But that's a tough loss to take for uh, for Green Bay. At 14, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I cannot quit them. Um, I... I think this team, not just because we made a play on it at the beginning of the year, but I think this team has a legitimate chance of winning a division title this year, given how bad that division is and how just steady this team has been. At 13, it's Cleveland. Joe Flacco comes in and shows what competent quarterback play can do for this team, and they have been lacking that for a big chunk of the year. At 12, the Houston Texans. Um, a real disappointing loss against the Jets. We'll see what's going on with C.J. Stroud, but I do wonder if they start to fade out of this playoff race, given the uh, injury issues they have at receiver, and now what's going on with C.J. Stroud. At 11, it is the L.A. Rams. I still think this team is a legitimate playoff threat in the NFC. Kicking off our top 10, it is the Cincinnati Bengals. A couple of wins with Jake Browning have them in playoff contention. At 9, it is Detroit. They continue to, to fall as uh, I think some of the weaknesses that we pointed out on this show have started to be exposed as the season has rolled on. At 8, it is Jacksonville. Um, coming in at 7, Miami falls. That is just such a huge loss by Miami to um to, to Tennessee to just see that play out that way was really disappointing see what happens when there's no Tyreek Hill and to see what like just to see a, a real good shot at being number one in the conference go away is it's a lot to take from a, a Miami standpoint at six you have Kansas City that was a rough loss against Buffalo who comes in at five they've been playing some pretty competitive games over the last little bit and I think are very much deserving of being in the top five. At four, it is the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, a couple of tough losses in a row, and it's just, it's 
pretty apparent that they have a number of things they need to work out on both sides of the football before they can be back in the um, elite conversation. At three, it's Baltimore, a, a huge overtime win for them. Uh, Lamar Jackson with a few big moments in that game. At two, it's the Dallas Cowboys. People have been calling, hey, just beat someone. When, when are they going to beat someone? Well, they beat someone, and now they move up into the number two spot. And number one, they're just playing so much better than everyone else right now, the San Francisco 49ers. So those are your NFL power rankings um, as we head into the middle of December. It's kind of crazy. We got Saturday games this week. Going to do a full breakdown of the NFL week coming up tomorrow. All right, um, it's time to continue our coverage of UFC 296 with a bit more fight talk. All right, um, the week continues as we get ready for UFC 296. Tomorrow is going to be a full preview of the uh, the pay-per-view card, and then hopefully sometime this weekend, we will have a blow-by-blow uh, -blow breakdown of UFC 296. Uh, if not, well, we'll get that to you coming up on a Monday. Um, okay, so let's start with a fight that's off of this card. It's one we talked about yesterday, a fight to watch. Um, Vicente Luque and uh, Ian Machado, excuse me, Gary is off. Uh, Gary is out with pneumonia. There's been some talk that Luque could be fighting Holland. As of this recording, that hasn't happened yet. That would be an interesting fight. Um, this was a fight that I was excited for. Um, and now pneumonia for uh, a fighter that... That might take a bit of time to recover from, um, so we'll see. This would be a fun one to put maybe like a UFC 300 or something like that. Um, if, But I don't know if those guys want to wait that long to, to get at it. Luke wants to fight this weekend still, so it's... It's a, it's a bummer because I think it was going to be one of those fights where either Luque reestablishes himself as someone who can compete for a championship or um, Gary kind of gets that hype train back on track. So it was an interesting fight. Um, other fight news going on right now. This is not something we've covered on here just yet, but um, I do want to get a couple of thoughts in as the PFL buys Bellator. Um, it's, it's fun for a moment. Right, like it's it's neat that it's happening that, and you're you're going to get these like, oh wow, champion in PFL, champion in Bellator, they're gonna face off. This is gonna be crazy. But the longer view is now there's one less option for some of these fighters to to go to, and like un unless you want to go into bare knuckle or one of these random grappling tournament karate things, like they're just for for high level mixed martial arts. There isn't a whole lot out there right now. And so I, I think going into 2024, I think the scene is kind of ripe for someone to step up. We know one is on Amazon, but we also know they're just hemorrhaging money right now. Um, so I, I think there's someone, an opportunity for someone in Europe to step up or someone out in Japan to, to step up. Um, we, we know Ryzen's continuing to do their thing. It would be nice to see them become a bit more prominent in the space coming up in 2024. Um... Other fights that have been kind of announced lately. Jailton Almeida taking on Curtis Blades. This was supposed to be at a fight night card last month. It's been moved to UFC 299. Interesting bout. Almeida is 6-0 uh, in the octagon, going up against Curtis Blades, who is perennially in the top five in the heavyweight division. So this is Blades, who, like, he always feels like he's a couple wins away from a UFC title shot just because of the style of fights that he has. And he just, he gets right there to title eliminator, eliminator status, sorry. And ends up losing. So, we'll, I, th this isn't a title eliminator by any stretch. But this is a, a good bout to, to either get him back on track and working toward a title. Or, you now introduce a new contender in Almeida. If he wins this, he's 7-0 in the UFC. So, it's it's an interesting fight. Um, Dana White confirming that Jim Miller will fight at UFC 300. Even though he's scheduled to fight 
in January. Um, the reason this is so noteworthy is Jim Miller fought at UFC 100, and he also fought at UFC 200. So that'd be an interesting one to, to see kind of play out. Um, but Jim Miller, one of the, the all-time all-violence people in the sport of mixed martial arts. Hafield Dos Anjos against uh, Matush Gamrot for UFC 299. That takes away a couple of fights that we said we wanted to see at the beginning of the week, but it's a good fight. Um, Dos Anjos trying to hang around at 155, and Gamrot has had a couple of key losses, but continues to put up some impressive wins. And so this is another one, like we were talking about with Blades and Almeida, where could it be a bit of a, a changing of the guard and getting Gamrot would be one of the bigger names uh, that, that he would get a win over. So it's it's another pretty compelling fight. I love this matchmaking. Uh, Tatiana Suarez against Amanda Limos for UFC 298. Suarez back after a lengthy, lengthy, lengthy injury um, situation. She's, um, put a couple of fights together, but like has long been someone who, that this is like the next champion, um, or someone who is absolutely going to wear a belt, uh, at least one day in the UFC, but injuries have absolutely derailed things going up against Amanda Limosh, who is tough as hell and a, a former title challenger. So this is the one where if Suarez can look as impressive as I think a lot of people are expecting her to, then rockets toward a championship bout. And I, I think given the injury issues she has had, uh, absolutely deserves to be on a bit of a fast track right now. And the last one, uh, Tai Tuivasa against Marcin Tybora for UFC 298. Um, Tui has lost three in a row. Taboria um, is coming off of a loss to Tom Aspinall. So a couple heavyweights that need to get back on track. It does kind of feel like the run is over for um, for Tai Tui but we'll see if he can get that one back on track coming up in February. Um, all right, it is now time. We haven't done one of these in a little bit here. Um, and quite frankly, I don't know if we've done a ton of them on YouTube, but it is uh, now time for our legacy look. Um, the heavyweight championship of the world is, or the welterweight championship of the world, sorry, is up for grabs this weekend um, at UFC 296. And so I think it's a good time to, to go back and look at one of the um, true legends of the welterweight division, one who just retired this year, and that would be Robbie Lawler. So um, I have Lawler's, you're going to see my eyes kind of bouncing back and forth, I have it pulled up, but um, just so much hype coming into to Robbie Lawler when he he debuts in the UFC back in 2002. Um, so just point here, debuts in the UFC in 2002. Uh, he was born in 1982. So do the math. My guy was 20 getting into the, uh, the, the UFC's octagon, I think just shy of his 20th birthday when he stepped in against Aaron Riley at UFC 37. Um, he gets a couple of wins in a row, including against Tiki Gosen. It, this was such an interesting bout. Um, you have like Gosen's coming in. He's a veteran. It's like, yeah, this guy's never fought anyone who knows the game like me before. Although he's only 25 years old, but he just, Tiki's one of those guys who has looked like he was 40 for about 35 years now. Um, but for, for, for Robbie Lawler, like at this point that he is already hyped, right? He's 20 years old. He's in the UFC, uh, the UFC, not what it was at the time. Like watching this, they still have the entrance ramp. Um, this is UFC 40. They, they still have the entrance ramp. Um, Shark Energy Drink is the sponsor. Uh, this was Tito Ortiz against Ken Shamrock back November 22nd, 2022. What else happened 
on this card. This is three fights in for Robbie Lawler, by the way. Um, you have Chuck Liddell against Bobaloo, uh, Matt Hughes against Gil Castillo. Um, so you have this was a wild card, man. Every fight got stopped. Um, yeah, just a, a wild, wild, wild show. Andre Olovsky was on the the prelims. Let's see what happened for Robbie Lawler in his, uh, on the fight card that was his UFC debut, UFC 37. In the main event, uh, Mariela Bustamante beats Matt Lindland. Uh, by submission, you have Rico Rodriguez with a win over Siyoshi Kosaka. BJ Penn's fighting on this card. Phil Baroni is fighting on this card. Kyle Uno against Eve Edwards is on this card. Ivan Salaveri and Robbie Lawler making his debut in the first fight of the evening. But going into the fight uh, against Tiki, it's like, okay, this kid's 20. He's coming off of back-to-back wins. One's a decision, one's TKO. And Tiki is letting him have it. Some good leg kicks early. Um, Lawler's leg is starting to, to swell up a little bit. And um, Tiki's coming in with a just like absolute flurries. And Robbie comes over the top with a right that just ends it. And that was always something Robbie Lawler had in his bag of tricks. Um, you, you knew that the, like there could be some wrestling there because he's a uh, Militich fighting system, but he had the right hand that just altered careers. An absolute bomb knocks Tiki out. But then in his next bout, he um, has a knee injury, loses to Pete Spratt, win over Chris Lytle, but then a loss to Nick Diaz. He moves up to uh, middleweight and gets beaten down by Evan Tanner, spelling the end of his time in the UFC. He bounces around a little bit. Um, Super Brawl, a win over Felonico Vitali. Um, King of the Cage, he has a fight. Beats Vitali again at Icon Sport, um, winning their middleweight championship. Loses that to Jason Miller. Um, and then has an appearance in Pride in 22 seconds, knocks out Joey Villasenor. And then he kind of goes on the the, the role of uh, best promotions outside of um, outside the UFC. So he fights in Elite XC, has three fights there, wins the middleweight championship in his debut, beating, uh, beating Marilo Hua by knockout. Um, that one coming in the third round back September 15th, 2007. He, there, there's a thumb to the eye that ends his fight with Scott Smith. And then he comes back and beats Scott Smith, defending the Elite XC middleweight championship. Then Elite XC goes away and into Strikeforce he goes. About a year later, loses to Jake Shields by submission. And this is where, this was kind of surprising because I, I do think Robbie Lawler, like legendary career. He never really had that great run until the, the Ultimate Fighting Championship the second time, right? Um, like here, it's it's lost to Jake Shields, win over Melvin Manhoof, but even that one came out of nowhere. Like Manhoof was taking it to him and then just one right hand again, freezes Manhoof and just ends the night for him there. Um, but then he loses to Bobaloo, beats Matt Lindland, strike, uh, strike Force Middleweight Championship opportunity, loses to, ba- um, sorry, not Bobaloo, Jacare, and then loses to Tim Kennedy. So we're into 2011 now. Um... And again, beats Adlan Amagov, loses to Lorenz Larkin. So he's coming into the Ultimate Fighting Championship. And a couple of interesting things happen. It's around this time that Robbie Lawler leaves Militich Fighting Systems and goes to American Top Team. Um, And this is not a knock on Militich at all, like one of the premier gyms at the start of things. But I do think that there's a level of maturity that, and just a... A level of, I guess, polish that Robbie gets when he comes back into the UFC. But I think another big part for him is he moves back down to welterweight. Like, all those fights, um, he makes his middleweight debut against Evan Tanner and fights at middleweight, uh, middleweight, sorry, the whole way up. Um, 
fight against Jake Shields was a catchweight at 180 pounds. But aside from that, it's all middleweight. And Robbie, like, he always a bricked up dude. But he wasn't big. Like, Jacare was bigger than him. Tim Kennedy was bigger than him. Babalu was bigger than him. Um, all these guys are quite a bit bigger than him. He now moves back down to welterweight. And now, all of a sudden things are a little bit easier. Uh, maybe not necessarily easier, but it, it, things are going a whole lot better for him. And this is where the run really starts now for uh, for, for Robbie Lawler at welterweight. As at UFC 157, um, he fights Josh Koscheck and wins. And this is where you can start to see the difference between middleweight and welterweight. As in... Um, in middleweight, he'd get taken down and kind of just held there, right? Like, unanimous decision loss to Tim Kennedy. Josh Koscheck gets the takedown, and Robbie Lawler, like, he's on his back for a bit, but he's able to, to fight his way up because basically they're the same size. And then um, as he's kind of defending, he's able to, he lands a knee as Koscheck is still working for a takedown, then starts landing some ground and pound, and oh, there's less resistance here. It was a bit of a contested stoppage, but I, I, looking back at it, you have no problem with it, because Koscheck's hands, he's not really intelligently defending himself, like, he does seem like he's kind of there, but he is just allowing himself to get punched in the head a bunch. So, Robbie Lawler is kind of establishing himself, like, okay, I, I, he still has it. Like, the, the, he is one of those guys where one punch changes a fight immediately. Like, we think of some guys who have power, but, like, sometimes it takes a couple and then, oh, a perfect one lands. He could be backing up whatever, and it just touches you, and it just changes the dynamic of the fight immediately. And so from here, we see him go on one of the great runs you will see in the welterweight division in the UFC. He beats Bobby Volker. That, maybe I should have waited one to say, okay, now this is the great run. And then, um, in a, a rivalry that'll kind of define his career, um, he beats Rory McDonald by split decision at UFC 167, November of 2013. So he gets a title shot um, for the vacant UFC welterweight title. GSP is gone. Um, Johnny Hendricks is there. And Johnny Hendricks beats him by unanimous decision. Robbie Lawler, though, gets back on track. Third round knockout of Jake Ellenberger. A uh, unanimous decision win over Matt Brown in a title eliminator gets him another title shot against Johnny Hendricks again, and he wins the welterweight championship in a bout over Johnny Hendricks, a split decision win at UFC 181. And then it's the rematch. It is a Hall of Fame fight. It is one of the craziest fights you will ever see, and quite frankly, neither man walked out of the cage the same after this bout. It's UFC 189. If you think of Rory McDonald for a second and you think of that one picture... It's from this one. He ends up getting the, the win uh, to defend the, the welterweight championship in the fifth round at exactly one minute, stopping Rory McDonald. He goes on from there to get a split decision win over Carlos Condit. But that run there, Koscheck, Volker, Rory, um, Ellenberger, Brown, Hendricks, Rory again, and Carlos Condit, you, you could not do better at welterweight in the mid-2010s than that particular run that Robbie Lawler went through. And you look at the early part of his career, a lot of his wins, first round knockout, first round knockout, second round knockout. These ones are a lot of decisions. And I, I think there was a maturity there of Robbie Lawler that he's not just going for the home run. Like you watch, you watch early, or when, when you think of Robbie Lawler kind of explosions, you think of like, he's coming in like, bah, 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 bah. like there's a lot there. Obviously there's hooks and power and stuff, but you watch him in the early part of his career and it's almost exclusively hit hooks over the top. But, he starts to mature with more straight punches. He's obviously throwing, like, everything from hell, right? But th there is a bit more maturity there, a bit more refined push 
for for Robbie Lawler, and I think that absolutely helped him on on this particular run. And I think just getting back down to 170 pounds was really really important for the, the change in his career here. And um, it's just it's one of the better welterweight runs that you will see. But when it ends, it ends quick. Um, Tyron Woodley knocks him out at 212 at UFC 201 on July 30th, 2016. He comes back with a win over Donald Cerrone, but then it's four losses in a row against Dos Anjos, Askren, Colby Covington, and Neil Magny. A win over Nick Diaz uh, before falling to Brian Barbarena before recently. July 8th, 2023 at UFC 290, Robbie Lawler hangs him up after a knockout win over Nico Price. Um, it, it is, he ends the career, 30 wins, 16 losses, one no contest, um, a two, or a, a former welterweight champion with two successful title defenses, elite XC middleweight champion, um, with one successful title defense in there as well. He was the fighter of the year in 2014 at the World MMA Awards. He had the fight of the year in 2015 from the World MMA Awards as well. Um, Sherdog gave him fight of the year for the fight against Hendricks at UFC 171. Uh, a fight against Rory at um, UFC 189 in 2015, and fight of the year in 2016 for his fight against Carlos Condit. MMA fighting also made him fighter of the year in 2014 and gave him fight of the year in all of those categories we just listed off from Sherdog as well. Bleacher Report, fighter of the year, and 14 and 15 fight of the year with Hendricks and Rory McDonald. It was a career that started with so much hype and so much potential. Like this is the Mike Tyson of MMA where he can just like one touch hits you and you're gone and you're out. And, and then it starts to get a bit of a speed wobble in the middle there. High action fighter, always going to have a job. Like he, he was never going to be unemployed for long. Um, if he ever was, but he, he really didn't. And he found a home at strike force and still like it, it was just like, man, this guy's, He's just not going to reach the level that we thought he would. And then he comes back into the Ultimate Fighting Championship. He's 31 when he comes back in. He's at a new team that just gets the most out of him. And that elevates him into the, the level of being one of the great welterweights of all time. And certainly one of the great welterweights of his time. Um, so Robbie Lawler, when we see quite a bit of violence brought in the cage this weekend between Leon Edwards and Colby Covington, uh, just remember that no one at 170 pounds, brought it more than ruthless Robbie Lawler, who absolutely deserves his spot at one of the best to have ever done it at 170 pounds in the UFC. So there is your legacy look for Robbie Lawler. Uh, all right, one more thing to do. Let's close the show with today's ticket. Three things on today's ticket. We will start with Oklahoma City taking on the Sacramento Kings. Um... I know it's in Sacramento. The Kings have a pretty good home court advantage, but I, 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 I like me some OKC in this spot. Getting one of the best teams in the league as an underdog, I will take it. OKC plus one ten, and the football game tonight. Um, the Raiders. I don't care that the Chargers don't have um, Justin Herbert. Um, the, the Raiders shouldn't be favored against anyone. They have zero points in their last game. Uh, none. And. It's just, it's ugly right now with, with the Raiders. It has all come down to earth after the, the run for Antonio Pierce. Um, so they do not deserve to be a favorite in this game. I'm taking the Chargers plus 140. Also, uh, Bet Victor had a uh, same game parlay right now. Both quarterbacks to throw an interception was plus 240. I'm going to take that one. I, I'm going to, I'm going to lock that one in as well. So three notes on today's 
ticket. And that's today's show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Remember, if you are listening in podcast form, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating. Um, I would really appreciate that. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button as well. Hit the like button, maybe even a bell notification or the the bell button to get notified when um, all these start dropping. Um, Again, it all just helps me out quite a bit. Sharing the episodes does as well. Um, Coming up on the show tomorrow, it is a full UFC 296 preview, along with a full NFL preview. It is a busy show. I have a lot of work to do, so I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and I will talk to all of you coming up tomorrow. Have a good day, everybody.